What is up, Pacers fans? This is your host, Mark Schindler. Uh, before we get started today, I'm coming in after recording. Uh, in the middle of when I was recording with Robert Flom from 213 Hoops, we had the news break about Karis LeVert and uh, the, the mass that was found on his, on his, on his kidneys. Um, obviously, Kevin Pritchard held a press conference later in the evening, went a little bit more in-depth on it, uh, was not able to really share too much with us. Um, I just wanted to come in and, and give a brief intro on that because uh, we, we got the news in the middle of the program, so I, I, I wasn't sure I was able to do it justice. Um, obviously, uh, I hope for nothing but the best for the guy. Uh, from everything I know, he's just fantastic and um, really feel for him. Uh, glad that this... Uh, trade went through so that the physical happened. Kevin Pritchard mentioned that uh, this 100%, you know, the trade process expedited the fact that he was able to find uh, whatever it is that is on his kidney because we don't know if it's uh, cancerous or benign. Um, regardless, um, just wanted to uh, come in here and, and, and throw that out there before uh, we get headed into today's episode. I hope you're having a good start to your day and uh, enjoy the program. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. They play together, they believe. Um, and Karis Levert is cold. Levert, back in. Speed. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I am your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started, if you have not already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. We just got our 50th review, so thank you for that. Um, or not review, rating, close enough, but let's get to 100. Shit, make it happen before the week starts. Let's see what goes on. Um, psych today to be joined by, we actually would have a game today. It was supposed to be up against the Phoenix Suns. Um, that obviously got postponed. So today, brought on a friend of mine and obviously great, uh, co- I almost said cover, writer uh, over at 213 Hoops covering the Los Angeles Clippers, Robert Flom. Rob, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well, Mark. How are you doing? Good. I can't complain. The uh, The last time that we did a pod together was uh, bef- crap before the offseason even hit. So yeah, it has been a minute. I am very excited to kind of just check in and talk about the Clippers, because um, I, I don't want to say that they've gone under noticed to start the year, nine and four right now. Um, I think the uh, the Dallas game uh, really threw some people off, um, <laughs> which is it's fair. Um, but I don't know. I think this this team has definitely been better than last year already out the gates. Uh, but I I didn't even talk about myself. I just got excited to talk about basketball right away. But, uh, <laughs> I, th- I think the number one thing I would ask right away is, uh, how are you feeling about the team so far, uh, 13 games in, and, and where they're at? You know, it's interesting. I think I think you could argue about whether this team is better or not. I think certainly they, they're playing better. I think it's arguable whether the talent is better. Um, the depth 
of last year's roster, even though it didn't really pan out in the playoffs, was still yeah. kind of theoretical, is gone. Um, this team is like nine players deep. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with Kawhi Leonard doing load management some nights and a bunch of injury-prone guys and a very old rotation there, I think in terms of rotation players, they're one of the oldest in the NBA, um, you know, that has cost them on a couple nights. Um, but I do think the the mindset and the vibes around the team, <laughs> it's been a big vibes. <laughs> vibes. Vibes are a big, <laughs> big talking point. And I think it's it's pretty unquestionable the vibes of this team are better. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can attribute that to any number of things. It could just be being together for another year. A lot of the rosters is the same. It could be the changes to the roster. Serge Ibaka, noted guy who everybody in the NBA loves. Yes, um, noted Nick vibes Batum. guy. Yeah, a huge vibes guy. Um, Nick Batum, a guy maybe not quite the same, but a very well-respected and, and well-liked veteran. Um, and, you know, possibly departure of Montrose Harrell, who can say? Um, and the, the switch in coaches, I think. I don't think Doc Rivers was necessarily disliked, but I think Ty Lu has definitely brought some good things. Um, so I think unquestionably whether they're better or not, they've been a lot more fun to watch this year, which has been great. Because last year, the, even Clippers fans who thought they were really good uh, thought they were a slog. And this year's team has had some disappointments, but game in, game out, they're just they're a much more fun team to watch. It, it makes it a lot easier to cover them. Yeah, no, certainly. I think uh, that's that's a great point. Like, I think the things that are, are just like noticeable on on – uh, on first glance is what has made it different different for me. Um, and that was one of the questions I was going to ask you as well, like how the coaching staff is integrating because it's minute, but that was one of my questions going in. Like you look at this team, they assembled like an all-star cast of coaches, you know, like mm-hmm. I think four of the five guys um, on the bench were offered head coaching positions elsewhere, or at least we're looking at head coaching positions elsewhere, I should say. Um, so that's good to hear that things have actually kind of worked out with that. Um, <laughs> Speaking on Serge Ibaka, I think, okay, you know, we can't talk about Serge Ibaka yet. Paul George has been incredible this season. Nobody's talking about it, and it kind of annoys me. I get it that he's not been fantastic in the playoffs. We talked about this last time, too, but Mm -hmm. he's shooting 50% from the floor, 51.5% from three, and 92% from the line. And, I mean, he's just been incredible to start there. He's honestly been better than Kawhi, at least, you know, through, like, the first 10 games he was. Uh, Defense has been insanely good. Um I just can't speak enough about how well he's doing. And I know a lot of people are going to call me out and say I'm being a Paul George apologist. Um, <laughs> I just think it's not that deep. It's it's just basketball. Um, and he's been incredible to watch and, and see him perform. But, yeah, what are your thoughts on, on Paul George so far to start the year? He's been he's been great. I mean, I, the shooting will probably oh, regress. Yeah. It's definitely going to regress. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, the three-point shooting is probably not going to stay at 51.5% on eight attempts a game. But, I mean, I think the, the thing for him is – I would be fine with the percentages of regressing if he takes more. You know, he should yeah. be taking over eight. He should be taking 10 a game at least, right? He's so tall. His shot is so effortless. Um, you know, he is taking just over half of his field goal attempts are from three. It should be even higher than that. Yeah. You know, he's a good mid-range shooter, but they already have other guys who operate best for the mid-range. He should be a guy who's just launching threes. Um, and I mean, eight is, is a lot. That's pretty high volume. Um, but with the ease at which he gets them off and just oh, yeah. the the way he's shooting right now, he should just be taking so many of them. Um, but I mean, he's been great. I think the thing that's been most impressive to me has really been the defense. Cause I think he's been a lot better defensively this year than last year. Um, 
No, last year he was good. He wasn't bad. I don't know if Paul George has ever been bad defensively <laughs> since he's been in the NBA. Um, but he wasn't great. He wasn't like an all defense level guy. And this year, I think he he has been at that level. You know, he's been great on ball. He stepped up to take on you know multiple challenges. Um, but he's really off ball. And I think off ball defense is and help defense is kind of the most important part of the NBA defense. And he's been great there. You know, the Clippers defense as a whole has not been super good, but their starting lineup has been pretty good, and they've been able to lock down for stretches when they need to um not quite to the lakers level but a similar vibe where you know if they see a five minute stretch where they just need to play defense they'll go on you know a 19 to 3 run or whatever which they did um against the pelicans um and in their game yesterday against the bulls i mean the bulls aren't very good but you know they went on this huge run where they just shut them down to start the third quarter and it got out in transition and it was it was game over um and paul george has been a big part of that i mean he's getting a lot of steals uh, 1.3 game and just been forcing a lot of turnovers. His deflection rate is really high. He's just been great. Um, he's been great. The one nitpick, and I'm sure it's a nitpick Pacers fans are familiar with, is the turnovers. Just yeah. not just a lot of careless turnovers. He's averaging almost four a game. Most of them are not really forced. They're not results of guys poking the ball away. It's just him making a really dumb pass. <laughs> um, and that's really the nitpick. But, I mean, he's been he's been great. He's a top five MVP candidate, I think. Um, I wouldn't say he's a top five player, but in terms of how good the Clippers have been, how good he's been, um, you know, I think he has to be in that conversation. He's absolutely been better than Kawhi Leonard, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. And, you know, transitioning right to Kawhi, it's funny because uh, earlier today, um, one of my friends posted, you know, I thought Kawhi was having a bad start to the season. And then I looked up and he's, you know, 25, five and five on like over 60% true shooting. Um, and he, his defense has been really good out the gates as well. Again, you know, his regular season defense isn't as good as the playoff defense, but it's still like, even when he's not trying, he's like 10 times better than, than anybody else. Um, is he like the quietest super superstar? Like, obviously not just media wise, like media wise, by far quietest superstar in the league, but you look at what he does on court. Like, I feel like mm -hmm. it's so, uh, everything he does is so saying calculated is like the wrong way to put it, but it's almost like he plays basketball, like a supercomputer, like, um, yeah. that's how I feel about Malcolm Brogdon sometimes. Like I love Malcolm Brogdon. I'm not <laughs> trying to say that this game doesn't have flair, but like he just doesn't fuck up. Like he just does the right things and he, he plays incredibly hard and gets to his spots with ease. Like he just does mm -hmm. stuff and it happens. And then before you know it, like, like, like was mentioned 25, five and five. Yeah. I mean, I think the Brogdon is kind of like a smaller guard version of Kawhi is, is really interesting. Um, you know, Kawhi is not very flashy. Uh, he made like kind of a fancy pass yesterday and people were going <laughs> yes, crazy I, about it. Like, I saw that. It was actually really funny. I thought it was a meme for a second. So I was like, this isn't even like that flashy. Like it was like, because I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It was like kind of flashy. I was like for Kawhi. Yeah. But then I was like, damn, that's where we're Yeah, at. that's Kawhi like really flexing. Like yeah. he never does stuff like that ever. <laughs> and it's just like he threw kind of like a like fancy dribble like into a pass move. And I was like, wow. Um yeah, I mean, it depends on on what you mean. You know, for for people who like throwback basketball, who love like the 90s and early 2000s of like post-ups for wings and mid-rangers and all that, like people who love Kobe should love Kawhi Leonard because, mm -hmm. I mean, he has that game, like absolutely, that's his game is like he gets the mid-range through strength or through beating guys off the dribble and then he just goes to work. His footwork is impeccable. Uh, he's so big and strong. He's able to get space against almost anybody. And it's just like every time he shoots from mid-range, you think it's going in. Um, it's really hard to stop. It's not very flashy. It's not really the kind of basketball I like watching on yep. offense, um, but it's undeniably effective. Um, and, 
you know, he and Paul George, I think, have been good at, at continuously getting to the line, not at a crazy, you know, James Harden, Trey Young, you know, whatever type of rate, but, you know, six attempts a game for Kawhi, five for Paul George. It's pretty good. It's It's been a steady diet, which is great. Um, and yeah, he's been really good. Like, again, the, the defense is probably the flashiest part of his game because he yeah. just makes some, some plays on defense sometimes that are still crazy, even after watching him, you know, every game for you know, almost 100 games now or whatever. Um, you know, it's still he had a steal yesterday and then a dunk where it was just I don't know how he got his arms up so fast and was able to corral the, the deflection. Um, just a, a crazy talent. But yeah, I mean. You're to, to your point about people not talking about this a lot, I mean, I tweeted from the two on three hoops account yesterday, um, a little bit, you know, just with a bit type of thing, but yeah. also for real, like, I mean, most of the conversation to start the year on the NBA has been about the James Harden trade. It's been about Kyrie, you know, going to do whatever. And I don't think there's really been that much talk about basketball on any team. Like, I mean, I think even the Lakers who are the media darling, I feel like I haven't heard anything about the Lakers this year. Yeah. Like nobody's really talking about the Lakers. Like, the, the teams that have gotten like the most buzz, I think, in terms of play, have been like the Nets and the Hawks. Maybe like I like I, I just think there's been so much focus on off court and just superstar drama type of stuff. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say it's a Clippers only thing, but certainly, yeah, I mean, both those guys have had really good starts to their seasons, and and neither is really getting a ton of buzz. But I mean, they're, if they're on pace for you know all star, all NBA, all defense, probably across the board. Yeah, totally. Um... So, I mean, that uh, in looking at some of the role players, too, um, obviously, Nick Batum has been just so fun. <laughs> I, I remember I took I took note right away when he went there. I was like, OK, this is we're going to see what happens with this. Um, and through 10 games, he was obviously playing really well. Uh, it still is playing well. But my point was, uh, I remember last year, Patrick Patterson was in the starting lineup to start the year mm-hmm. and was like looked like a real NBA player again after just totally dissipating in Oklahoma city. And then he fell out of the rotation a little bit and kind of went back down to earth. So I was like, maybe the same thing's going to happen with Nick Batum this year, but no, he's been legit. He's still starting. I was actually really pleased with that considering how well the starting lineups played Ty mm-hmm. Lue keeping Batum in, even with Marcus Morris coming back. Um, he's just been impressive. Like he, he is again, only three assists per game, but like you watch him play, he's a much better ball. He's like, one of the better ball handlers on the team already. Yeah. Uh, which isn't yeah. saying a ton, not to be, rude, <laughs> but um, he's just a really good addition. And when, like I, I talked to some of my friends who cover the Hornets and they're just like, they're not pissed about it because they know. Oh, yeah. It, but it's like, man, uh, it, what a difference being on a winning team makes. You know, it's, it's really interesting. Hornets people have told me that too. And I, I feel very weird about this because on one hand, like he's been a delight on the Clippers. Like he's mm. already a fan favorite. You know, he's a guy who, if there were fans in the stadium, they'd be going nuts every time yeah. he hit a three or make like a, a pass or whatever. Um, he's been great on both ends of the court. He's been really good defensively. Um, you know, his shooting, I think, is going to regress. Like oh, yeah. he's a good shooter, but 43% is is not going to last. Um, 50% from the field is, is probably not going to last. Um but I mean, I think everything else is there, right? He's always been a good rebounder. He's always good at ball handler and, and playmaker. And I think in a role where he's kind of the fifth guy on offense, like that, that should work out well for him. Um, and I hope Tyloo does keep him as the starter, even as Marcus Morris kind of gets his legs back, because I just don't think he's as good a fit as, as Batum. But yeah, you know, returning to the point about the Hornets is I have I've kind of mixed feelings because it's like, was Batum just bad there? Was it just not a good fit? Was it, you know, the roster last year in particular with Kemba gone was just not oh, very so good. Bad. 
Yeah, and like Jeremy Lamb is gone, like Marvin Williams is gone, like all those guys who were just like competent veterans who you could you could throw out there um, were gone, and it was just a disaster. So you know maybe it wasn't really him, but I, I do have mixed feelings about NBA veterans who kind of just tank their way out of bad situations. Like on one hand, I'm I'm all for player empowerment and players being able to choose where they go, but on the other hand, I think it's not great that you know these bad teams just see veterans not play or not play hard and again maybe Batum wasn't I think he had injury issues and you know there's other stuff going on but like I'm thinking about you know George Hill with the Kings when he signed there it was like 2016 2017 whenever um on a big deal and he was just awful absolutely awful and they had to like buy him out or trade him or whatever halfway through the season all of a sudden he was good again and it's like (laughs) I, I just don't know how to feel about that I think small market teams already feel like they're kind of you know just the way station for for good teams to get star players. Um, Pacers fans, of course, know that feeling. And, you know, I don't, even outside of stars, if guys like Nick Batum and George Hill are tanking their way out of bad teams, like, I don't I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Like, I think Trevor Reza has definitely been the, the biggest case of that, man. Like, <laughs> uh, Trevor Reza, I feel like half his stops he goes to, like, he went to Phoenix on that deal. I think they signed him two years on the MLE. Yep. And he just, like, didn't even try. Like, it was yep. honestly like kind of embarrassing. Then he got traded to the to the Wizards and he tried again. And then he got another deal. And it's like it was just like a repetitive thing that kept happening. I don't even know if he's playing uh this year. Like I know he's playing, but I don't remember what team he's on. I should remember that, but um, I don't think he's in the NBA. He's not. Like well, okay, well I have to look it up now. I think he's in the NBA. I could be wrong. He oh, he's he's technically on the Thunder. Oh, That's okay. Right. He's probably going to be a buyout guy, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think I think he's away from the team. I think he's doing what Iguodala did last year. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine being Trevor Reason doing the same thing that Andre Godal did. Um, not to not to shit on Trevor Reason. I just think that's kind of hilarious. Um, because especially too, I mean, like, do you remember when he fouled Trey Young last year? Yeah. Oh, that was so dumb. I hated that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, but, but looking at it too, no, that's like it's just an interesting point. Cause you look at even from him his perspective, I mean, he had all the injury issues. Um, got the massive deal. So I'm sure that's hard mentally because of the way that everyone yeah. talks about you after you get that deal. It's not your fault. It's the front office's fault for giving it to you. Mm-hmm. How can you not take it? But then you look to it like last year, like it's tough because like even Michael Kidd Gilchrist wasn't getting playing time and he's a rotation level player. Um, but it's just their direction is completely the opposite of what they were doing with yeah. Kemba. So it's like, I don't know. It, it, it is weird how that stuff works out. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's just been cool to see how Batum has done that and also too uh I just think it it raises my like liking likeness likeness that's definitely the wrong way <laughs> like to put it but I I just like that the Clippers have yet another player who's six eight six nine with a long wingspan that can defend like two through four or probably shouldn't defend twos but you, you get what I'm saying like there's just big body guys who can play defense and knock down shots and having those guys next to Kawhi and and PG is like, I mean, you could theoretically run a lineup of like a guard with PG, Kawhi, uh, Batum, and and Marcus Morris. And like, that's really damn hard to defend on offense. And they can give you problems defensively, too. They have done that a couple of times. They did that against the Bulls yesterday. And I, I think maybe against the Timberwolves or Pelicans. But they have done the Morris, Batum kind of power forward center lineups. Um, I do worry about that lineup in terms of rim protection. You know, yeah, that sure. lineup really needs to contain on the perimeter. Um, cause even though they're all good defenders, none of those wings are really kind of the, 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 the rim protector type who are good mm-hmm. at rotating over blocking shots. Um, but I mean, Batum has been great. He's been great. Um, just been so much fun to watch him. And to your point, like, I think they are the, 
their their top half of the rotation is definitely better this year. You know, you look at a guy like Nicholas Batum, who you just trust in the playoffs a lot more than, say, Montres Harrell. I know they play different positions. Um, same with Serge Ibaka. Like, he hasn't been great. He's been kind of up and down. But at the same time, he's he's proven to be, you know, effective in the playoffs. Um, the thing with the Clippers is just, you know, you you know, a lot of people are just out on them just because of all the collapses and stuff. And it's like, you know, regular season doesn't mean that much. I disagree with that. I think the regular season is really important for determining like how good a team is and, you know, the composition of a team. Um, But I understand the critiques too. Like it's, you know, their roster could be looking great, but there are still people who won't trust them. And I I get that. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for all the talk about the Lakers, the Clippers have beaten the late, I think in the regular season, they're four and two against them since the start of last season, they match up really, really well with them. They have, you know, four guys to throw at LeBron James. Um, Anthony Davis is a tougher matchup for them. Um, He's a tough matchup for everybody, Um, but they probably have the best set of guys to defend LeBron in the entire NBA. I think maybe, you know, Boston with Tatum smart and, and Brown is up there, but um yeah, I think they match up well with with the with the Lakers, and you know the question for them is just getting there, right? Can they make it to the conference finals? They never have in their entire franchise history. Um, and a guy like Batum is again a guy you can rule out there, and you know a game seven and be like fifteen minutes from Nick Batum, sure, like he'll probably won't screw up, probably won't do anything great, but. Yeah. Having neutral players is a plus. Like <laughs> yeah. most rotation players aren't even neutral. So it's like it, just having that as a plus. Um, one of the things that's interesting, especially looking at tomorrow, uh, considering, you know, playing against Miles Turner and Demonis Sabonis, um, just a hefty front court. Like the Clippers right now are not a good defensive rebounding team, which has been an issue nope. for the Pacers as well. They've been a little bit better this year, but not by much. Um how how are you feeling about the center rotation right now? Because from from me watching, I've only seen probably six Clippers games this year. Zoo has been off this year; like he has not been nearly as good as last year from from my from my eyes and watching him. Um, and yeah. while I think um, Ibaka was a good add offensively, I think he's vastly been overrated defensively just based off his uh, prior reputation. Like he can block shots still, but in terms of like being put in pick and roll or um, doing anything on the perimeter, he's really not that kind of defender anymore. No, I mean, that's absolutely correct. Um, Serge's defense has been whatever. Still better than Montrose Harrell, oh, um, yeah. but not 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 great. Um, and Zoo has been not good to start the year. Um, you know, he's probably been the most disappointing Clipper. I think Serge is probably top three. I'd say it's probably, you know, Zoo, then Luke Kennard, and then, um, and then Serge. Um, but Zoo's defense has been kind of hit or miss. On the other hand, he's been playing with like really bad defensive bench lineups and asking, yeah. you know, he's a good defender, but he's not, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon. He's not prime Dwight Howard. He's not Anthony Davis asking him to defend, you know, a lineup with three small guards and kind of a hobbled looking Marcus Morris or Patrick Patterson is just like, that's asking too much of him. So in one, I think he's been put in a tough spot, yeah. um, but he has not been good defensively. You know, he's, rebounding is way down from last year as you mentioned that's been a huge issue for the clippers um and yeah it's just been tough also there is breaking news about the pacers i don't know oh, if you're what? seeing this right now um but karis lavert is there's an oh, MRI no. revealed a mass on his kidney so uh prayers for karis lavert hopefully all is okay there um wow but um yeah, felt like <laughs> since we're recording, we I did not have my that. phone turned over. Wow, that is not good. Um, hopefully, yeah, yeah, hopefully that is okay. Yeah, I got a text message about it. Look, I went to Michigan. Lavert mm-hmm. is a Michigan guy, so you know, um, 
I, I, I think he's overrated, but um, I, I, I love him. He's a great guy. Yeah, um, he's. I was uh, going back through and watching a ton of his interviews and stuff, and there was a really good um, BTN special on him from his senior year. Uh, upstanding guy. So I'm really psyched oh, yeah. to have him. Yeah, again, hopefully that is uh, that is okay. Yeah, but um, yeah, Zoo has been has been disappointing. Like, there's just no doubt. Like, he's was great last year. He was looked like one of the better young centers in the NBA. And you know, people think that's an exaggeration, but when you look at like advanced metrics on off numbers, his rim protection, like he was just not dominant as a stretch, but he was really good. And um, he has not been great on either end. Um, and you know, with Serge, not a great defender anymore either. They need to get more out of him. And I think, you know, a lot of neutral observers, I tweeted this yesterday after the game, a lot of neutral observers point to the Clippers point guard situation. It's like the Clippers need another playmaker. They need another ball handler, whatever. Um, I don't I don't know. I, I mean, I think center has probably been their weakest spot to start the year. And I think after that, it's probably wing. They have no wings on their bench, mm-hmm. you know, especially with Batum starting. I mean, he's more of a power forward now anyway. That's where they've been playing him. But he and Marcus Morris are, are bigger forwards. They have no wings. They've been playing so small with like three guards. Um, you know, the closest thing to a wing they have on their bench is like Terrence Mann or Amir Coffee. And like, mm-hmm. I, I think those are bigger weaknesses than the, than the point guard situation. Um, so the Clippers do have weaknesses. By no means are they, you know, some dominant, unstoppable team. They've been good to start the year. Um, but center has not been great. And, you know, the bench has been has been very iffy. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Yeah, no, totally. And I think that, that brings me to my next point, too. I mean, um, Luke Kennard has been disappointing for me. Um, oh, yeah. Like, he's just not shooting. Like, he'll have wide-open shots. And he just passes out, and I get wanting to be a playmaker and facilitator, and he's capable of doing that for sure. Um, I think part of it, it's weird too. I mean, Lou has been down this year as well, um, at least his averages and everything are. And again, defensively, I think that was something I was very concerned about going into the year. The idea of Luke Kennard and Lou Williams sharing a backcourt is like devastating. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think you look at that, it, there's just so much overlap between what they both do. Um, and it's hard to look at how you can kind of mitigate their roles for them to um, coexist or even like find a way where they're maybe not even having to play together. But I feel like when you look at um, ultimately how, how you get both of them on the court and, and utilize properly, um, that seems like something that's going to be, a, I don't want to say an issue moving forward. Cause it's good to have good players, but figuring out mm-hmm. how to make them fit together is uh, definitely a lot harder. 
Yeah, the past two games, um, has it been two, two or three? Two, I think. Um, Ty Lu has gone with a staggered rotation where he's he's basically only played nine players. Well, actually, not not this past game because Lou was uh, Ty, um, Lou Williams was out, but he basically has shifted the rotation so that Lou and Kennard are not sharing the court together. Um, he's taking out Pat Beverly early. Um, for Luke Kennard and having Luke Kennard as kind of the fill-in point guard and then putting Beverly back in for Paul George. And then at the end of the first quarter or start of the second quarter, bringing in um, Paul George again and having Lou Williams come in. So it's like a Lou, Beverly, Paul George, and, you know, whoever else lineup. Um, and that way he's kept Luke and Lou apart while also not having Reggie Jackson in the rotation. That's helped. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, they can't do that forever. It's a smaller um rotation which is you know not necessarily good in terms of minute load um the clippers again are not a young team really the only young guys in the rotation are zoo and luke Kennard, and they are probably like the eighth and ninth guys in the rotation at this point um so you know keeping minutes down is a huge deal and you know i think the rotation has worked i like i liked what Ty Lue did there um but their defense has been an issue in a lot of us because of them. Actually, Lou Williams has been a lot better on defense this year. His effort's yeah. been up. Um, he's been really active with his hands. Um, Luke has just not been good. And, you know, I think Clippers fans are getting a little defensive. It's like, look at his shooting splits or whatever. But the impact just hasn't been there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you can look at numbers all you want. But he's shooting 50% from the field, 50% from three, and, and 89% from three from the free throw line, it's like, wow, but he's not even getting to the free throw line one time per game. Um, he's taking only three threes per game and only six shots per game. Like he's just not, like you said, he's passing up open looks. He looks very hesitant. He's deferring to almost everybody on the roster. Lou Williams has done that a lot too, you know, and I don't know if it's because they're playing together or just like, they're just not sure of how to fit in. Um, because I think there has been a mandate, you know, for Paul George and Kawhi to have the ball in their hands more and to, and to be playmakers more. Mm-hmm. Um, but b- both of the guys have looked uncomfortable and kind of a little bit over, not over selfish, a little bit too unselfish at times this year. And yeah, I mean, Luke has been really disappointing. I thought he'd be a huge piece. He's been fine. Um, you know, he's certainly better than Landry Shamit, which says a lot more about Landry Shamit than about Luke Kennard. But um it just really, we've seen very little from him. There's been one or two good games and the rest, he's kind of just there, you know, he'll hit open shots, he'll move the ball, but he doesn't really flash very much. Um, And it's been disappointing, you know, and I think considering how disappointing like Zoo has been and Luke Kennard has been, and even Serge Ibaka has been, you know, the fact that they are, you know, they have a good record. Their net rating is pretty good. Their offense has been great. It, it says a lot about how much talent is on the team. Um, and the fact that they still have a, a long way to improve. Um, you know, again, I think the Lakers are are clearly the number one team right now. But the Clippers have a lot of upside still because several of their key players are, have not really been great to start the year. Um, and maybe they won't be. Maybe it's just not a good fit. Maybe those guys have just regressed. But, you know, I think there's still a lot of untapped stuff on this team. Yeah, certainly. And like you mentioned with the net rating, um, currently sixth in that rating, 25th in defense, which I, <laughs> I I don't know how like the NBA.com slash stats doesn't let you just filter out one game, which is really annoying. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure that that's more like middle of the pack if you're able to filter out the one uh, like yeah. blowout, because right now, like just important to remind people like one statistical outlier this early in the season just blows the 
ability to analyze the stat like out of the water. It's just like borderline. Like it, it's it would be irresponsible to consider that the actual number. Um, yeah. But then the offensive rating has been number one in the league, which is like I mean I think the the, the ball just moves a lot better. Um, which again that'll probably change in the playoffs. But just given how, <laughs> how the playoffs work, but um. You know, kind of transitioning from that to just looking at the game in general, what questions or kind of thoughts do you have about the Pacers so far this year? So, I mean, this news about Karras is is that tough because, I mean, my, yeah. a lot of my questions, I mean, one, just hopefully he's okay. Yeah. Um, it seems likely that, I mean, they still need to do a lot of tests to just do from what I've seen. It seems like likely it's benign, but I'm sure there'll still be a surgery to remove it or eliminate it or whatever. Yeah. Um, so prayers up for him. Um, my questions were going to be about how he'd fit in and replace Oladipo. Um, so I guess my question is, you know, um, you know, I've been a big Miles Turner fan for forever. Um, this is kind of he's come out of the gates really well. I mean, I've I've liked him since the draft. I thought I think he's just really good. I mean, how legit does his improvement seem? Because I mean, right now he's like a defensive player of the year, maybe the front runner. Um, you know, or Anthony Davis might be the front runner, but I think, you know, Miles Turner is right there. Like, is this legit? Like, is he this good defensively? Do you think the blocks and stuff will regress a little bit? Like how, how are you on, on how he's been this year? Yeah. Um. So it's actually really funny because I think his defense has been incredible this year. And I would agree he's either as Moose was chiming into, um, I would agree that he's probably front runner for it. Tony East of uh, Forbes and lockdown Pacers wrote a really good article on that, that I implore people to check out. I'm writing an article on uh, his offensive improvements, I think have been even bigger. Um, like obviously, okay. you know, not more impactful than his defense, but he went from uh, being, you know, as you, as you know, from being a Miles Turner fan, like not a good offensive player yeah. uh, to he is now like making just the, he's doing the hardest thing in basketball, which is to go from being a borderline, like the, one of the worst decision makers at his position to being like an average decision maker on the court that's so hard to like improve your processing speed and mm -hmm. just look at see the court differently and he has I think part of that's been the new offense but also he's just been more confident um I mean he's not record scratching on threes at all uh he's get, sometimes he try he makes the extra pass a little too often just because I think he's trying to make the offense flow better but I mean he's actually putting the ball on the floor a lot now and getting to the rim like he's drawing fouls out of it um, he's been fantastic offensively and the numbers don't exactly flash that right now, but just from looking physically and watching the game, completely different player on offense. Um, but speaking defensively, this team would not even be above average on defense if there was another center starting over him. Um, and they're seventh in the league right now. Uh, it, what he's done defensively has been incredible. I think it's something that's going to be really hard to maintain in the playoffs, not to be a pessimist, just, but looking at like, right now, like, Team defense, like we've seen over the years, is so big for the regular season. But then when you have guys, you can actually um, defend better when one-on-one and not get mismatch hunted. That matters a lot in the playoffs. But right now, I mean, he's just been fantastic. Um, I'm interested to see how the team looks against some of the top-end East teams defensively. Um, yeah. You know, looking at how – because they have really struggled with Milwaukee the last couple of years. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure he is who, is who will get the Giannis matchup most likely. Uh, just considering he has the length and and is the same size as him, even though it sounds crazy to say he's the same size as Giannis, because you you think about Giannis and he's got to be like at least eleven feet tall, right? But no, he's <laughs> six eleven too. Um, yeah, no, just legitimately, he's been he's been incredible. I mean, you can switch. Um, you don't like. I think it's almost doing him a. Uh, you're doing yourself a disfavor to switch him. Like he's mm -hmm. so good at at the back line, but like if you absolutely have to, he can switch. Like 
part of it was James Harden was not trying when they played the Rockets, but he switched <laughs> on to James Harden. He like couldn't even drive on him. Um, and he's been able to do that to multiple wings this year. So I think, I mean, right now he could not block another shot the rest of the year and he'd finish averaging over like, I think a block and a half per game <laughs> for the season. So yeah. uh, pretty, pretty good. Um, yeah. He's been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, my other questions are are kind of, you know, Malcolm Brogdon has been awesome to start the year. Um, mm-hmm. He was also really hot to start the season last year, too. You know, people were, there was all the rage, you know, was like, oh, like the Bucks let Malcolm Brogdon go. And it's still, you know, not great that they did. Yeah. Um, what about this start? The start to this season might be different than the start to last season. Does he, is he playing differently? Is he playing better? Do you think this will be more sustainable than his start last year? I mean, he's been ridiculous. I mean, he's been, you know, 48, 46, 88 as well um, with like an insane assist to turnover ratio. I mean, what is this sustainable? Do you think he'll come back to the earth a little bit, a lot? This is a good question. Um, I think it has been a little bit different from last year. He's still uh, finding his range at the rim a little bit. That's been Mm -hmm. the the biggest issue so far is he like, he was really bad at the rim last year um, and he hasn't been good at the rim to start this year. It has been falling a little bit better. Um, I think the biggest difference is his ability to hit off the dribble three pointers. I mean, he was taking so many off the dribble threes last year and was not good. Um, and he was also <laughs> not good at his catch and shoot threes, which was just an anomaly for him. I mean, he went from being one of the best catch and shoot players in the league to being, you know, below average last year, which was like, you know, drastic. Yeah. Um, but now, I mean, he's hitting off the dribble shots regularly from outside and doing it comfortably, like coming off screens. Um, but also, I think his usage is a little bit down, and it helps that the offense is putting him in much better spots to receive open looks. Um, so I think the three-point shooting, i do not he's not going to shoot 45% on the year. Um, mm-hmm. But I think just given his track record, I think he's pretty easily a 40% three-point shooter, even with the volume he's going to be taking him at. Um, so I trust that. I think the, the only thing I'm, I'm questioning a little bit is how many minutes he's been playing so far. And that's something that the media has asked Nate Bjorkren because it's a, it's a little bit concerning. Um, him and Demonis Sabonis are both in the top five yeah. for minutes played in the league right now. Um, they're thinking that that might – I mean, I'm personally thinking that might go down. Part of it's having injuries and that ramped up with TJ Warren going out, but they were already playing like 35 minutes a game combined. I mean, both of them were playing 35 minutes per game. Uh, the team would not be 8-4 and four if they were playing 35 minutes combined. Um, <laughs> but overall, I mean, I would say – it's sustainable as long as his minutes go down. Um, and okay. uh, so th- in other words, I mean, the, the numbers might not be quite as high, but I think the percentages and his efficiency are, are for real. Gotcha. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm excited for Jeremy Lamb to return. I think he's mm-hmm. not too far away, but um, you know. <laughs> yeah, they actually, so there was media availability today and Nate Bjorkman said that there is a chance. Well, he didn't, he did not rule out Jeremy returning tomorrow. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. that'll be, I don't I think probably... that he will return tomorrow. I mm-hmm. think it would be kind of soon, but um, it is possible. He's been traveling with wow. the team. So he's, he's always killed the Clippers. So that, that could be really good for you guys. Um, my last question is kind of, you know, <laughs> Edmund Sumner. Um, mm-hmm. So why, I guess, why hasn't he played more? Is it just like, are there That's guys ahead question. of him? You, um, Cause um, you know, I've also, you know, liked him since the draft, I saw him in summer league and he was great in summer league. Just, I mean, he's a very summer league type of player, but every time I watch him, I'm just very impressed by, you know, just the way he moves on the court. Um, he 
honestly seems a little bit similar to me in, in Karis Levert in terms of how they kind of just move and kind of glide a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, why hasn't he played more? Um, is it, it just seems like, is it just like a really short rotation? Um, is it, are there things that, you know, uh, Nate doesn't like about him? Like what, what's going on there? That's a, that's, a, I, I appreciate this question because we finally are seeing him in the rotation now the last okay. week. Uh, we went from him, like he didn't log minutes, uh, like an actual rotation minute until like non-garbage time minutes until like probably a week and a half ago. It was like his first time really getting run. Um, and he was awesome. Uh, he played in the uh, game against Golden State. He got a start after like hardly playing at all this year um, and guarded Stephen Curry for most of the game. They, they ran box and won a ton and he just chased Steph Curry everywhere. And then he was a big part in them winning that game. He looks a lot more confident this year in in drives. He actually somebody had to um, he tried to pass out of an open layup, and uh, he got <laughs> scolded by Malcolm Brogdon for that. Um, but no, he's been he's been good. He he just brings a ton of athleticism that the team really mm-hmm. doesn't have. Um, it was it was interesting because Steve Kerr called the team. He said that they were really athletic, you know, and talking about the Pacers before the, the lineup. I mean, before the game, and I was like, has he watched them play? Like that, I think Miles is the most athletic starter. Um, because I mean, vertically he is, but, um, no, Ed is good. And in transition, yeah. he's fantastic. He's shooting 80% at the room right now, granted small sample size, <laughs> but I will always, uh, I will always go to bat for Ed. Um, the rotation has really expanded, uh, the last couple of games. And we saw like, um, just the bench really getting an option, getting a chance now. I I'm not, mm-hmm. I have no idea why that was not happening already. I was okay. under the impression coming into the year that, that the Pacers were going to start off with a very deep rotation just to yeah. see what they had. And they started off with like pretty much an eight and a half, nine man rotation, you know, mm-hmm. right from the get go. And now they're playing like 10 guys pretty comfortably. Um, but yeah, I think Ed is going to be in the rotation long-term considering what he, uh, what he flashed in his, in his first game. And he was good against Portland too. Yeah. No, I, I like him a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's fine. I mean, the best player on the team is, is Sabonis, right? Um, and I was I there's was a case for, for Malcolm. I I like Sabonis a lot. I actually really? would almost argue that Malcolm has been the best player on the team. Just defense, the difference. Yeah, being, yeah. yeah. Domas is uh, especially like it's not as apparent in watching, um, you know, like at the you know just first time watching through a game. But if and going back and when I go back to clip stuff, I'm like, wow, Domas blew that defensive possession um <laughs> like he's just not a great defender like he's he's okay i think like he's fine positionally but he's still not a great help defender and he can ball watch yeah. a lot um and i'm not trying to talk down on him like i think he's a really good player i just think with how good malcolm has been it's hard for me to say that it's I mean, it probably is domas maybe i'm just leaning too hard into malcolm but i mean i don't know there's is, a case is always underrated i mean defense yeah. is always underrated in valuing players and that's probably um, you know, that's probably a little bit on me, but I guess my question is, you know, he's made kind of huge strides every year. I mean, how has he been able to do that? Like what about his skill set? I guess, is it like his handling that's enabled him to get to the rim or is it like improved strength? Like what has enabled him to kind of make these leaps on a year over year basis? It's pretty crazy. Cause he was awful. Yeah. his rookie season. I thought he was going to be out of the NBA. <laughs> yeah, no, it was crazy. Cause I remember I was a, a big fan of his when he was at Gonzaga. Cause I remember watching him at Gonzaga like that. The run that they made to the Sweet 16 when he was there, they were mm-hmm. just so good. And you could see, like, just the way that he played. Like, he was doing um, more of a – he was a lot more low post than mid post stuff when he was at Gonzaga, but he was already such a fantastic passer there. Um, so when he went to Oklahoma City and he got used as a stretch four, I was just like, what are they doing? Like, because that's not <laughs> – he took, like – 
I think he took like 23s when he was at Gonzaga. Like it was a, a small number like that. It was definitely less than 50. I can't, I'd have to pull it up to have it right in front of me, but like it was, so that was perplexing, but I remember him coming to Indy. I thought he would be good. Like I thought he'd be like an awesome bench player. Um, mm-hmm. I did not expect him to grow into this, frankly. Um, and Nate Duncan did not either. I always, uh, he, it, some of the, some Pacers fans have gone a little bit, a uh, quote tweet happy on Nate Duncan's tweet about uh, Domas making the all-star team last year. Um, I don't know if you were aware of that one, but that was a, uh, he, he basically said that Sabonis was like the worst all-star since 2000 or something like that, which was no, I mean, like Jameer Nelson but, made an all-star game. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he was, he was good that year though. He, he was, was but year. I mean, it was only, he only <laughs> played like 45 games that year though. It's not like, yeah, yeah, it's weird. Um, yeah, I mean, there have been other, there have been other way yeah, worse. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like that's that's the that's the whole point of it. But in terms of actual improvement, I mean, it's the handle for me this year. Okay. Um, part of that's how he's utilized too. You know, I think they, uh, Caitlin Cooper wrote an awesome piece on how uh, Nate Bjorken is using him. Like Pascal Siakam would occasionally get used with the Raptors last year. So. He's bringing the ball up the court a lot now. Like he'll grab and go pretty often, which can be a roller coaster. Um, but it's not as bad as some people make it out to be. Um, but yeah, so he's doing a lot of stuff with just uh, with speed. I mean, guys are having to come out and guard him at the top of the arc. And if if somebody doesn't come out, he takes it to the rim. Or yep. if somebody does come out on him, he's able to exploit mismatches that way too. So I think his handle has been like just a little bit like th- enough better this year where he's comfortable driving. Um, he's been a little bit hesitant to shoot threes lately, which is bumming me out because he uh, is a capable three point shooter. And it's not even like I don't think he's a 35 percent three point shooter. I think he could be like one day. Um, but like to start the year, he was like just letting them go like he didn't he was not hesitating <laughs> at all. And even if they weren't hitting like he started out actually really hot from three, he was shooting like almost 50 percent from. Three. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as the, he's uh, I think he's like, oh, of 11 for his last three couple threes. And so he's been biting a lot on, on you know, whether or not he's going to shoot them, which of course makes it less likely that he's actually going to hit them. So guys yeah. aren't guarding him the same. Like there was a play against Cleveland before he started having this issue where like he, um, he had hit a three early in the game and Drummond came out to him at the corner and he just, uh, he pumped and, and went and drew a foul that way and got the end one. So it's like, that's the kind of stuff I want him to be taking threes. Like not, I don't want it to be like Giannis taking like six threes a game. Cause it's, I, that's a whole other <laughs> podcast, but um, like, I just think it's nice. Like you have to do it. Like, you know about this too. And looking at things analytically, like you have to, it's not even about percentages. It's just like the threat is almost more than actually hitting a shot. Like Seth Partnow wrote a really great article on this last year about how, even though Jeremy Grant was like a 40% three point shooter, he doesn't get guarded like one. Right. So like you look at a guy like Luca, even though he shot 31% from three last year, he's guarded like he's the best shooter on the court because you have to, you know, you can't just like leave him wide open. Um, so that's my thing with Domas. I just want him to take them because then people have to guard him like he's going to take them. Um, but that's like my only real qualms with him right now. He's been so, so good. Yeah. I mean, that's really it. I mean, I'm Clippers fans have kind of been looking forward to this game because they've had a, a fairly soft schedule recently. And the Pacers are, are going to be a really good test to them. Um, you know, they have not necessarily handled really good big men in the past. And the Pacers have two of them um, who operate very differently. Um, I predicted that the Clippers would lose this game. Um, we'll see. I mean, if, if Lou Williams and Pat Beverly are out, you know, that's it's going to be a big bloke. So the Pacers are a lot deeper than the, uh, the, the Clippers are. They can afford lost their depth a little bit more. Um, but I'm very curious to see how the Pacers match up on, on Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Um, 
you know, I'm guessing Brogdon will probably be taking one of them. Um, yeah, that's see, that's one of the parts I'm a little bit worried about because you look at the, the Pacers really just don't have a forward. You know, TJ, uh, TJ Warren is the only true forward on the roster. And even then, like he's rebounding wise, he's not a forward. Uh, he mm-hmm. was rebounding better to start the year um, before he was injured. But uh, there, that's one thing that I'm interested to see how it works out against some of the top teams. Like, uh, I mean, Malcolm has been, that's, what's been so impressive about his workload. He's guarding the best, uh, perimeter option on yeah. every team. I mean, he guarded Jason Tatum. Um, so I would imagine he's going to guard, uh, man, who will guard it? Cause I think <laughs> they'll probably play. I would bet they, they, they're going to start Justin tomorrow. Cause they, uh, yeah. that's what they've been doing. It's been, yeah. Brogdon, Justin, um, Obviously, the two centers, and I'm blanking on the last guy because I am bad at my job. Um, but <laughs> but no, be Aaron. I, no, Aaron hasn't been starting. It'll be Sumner. Never mind. Yeah, it'll be Sumner. Um, it'll be Sumner. Okay. Well, yeah. So it, I am a little bit interested to see how how that works. Um, again, it's a lot on Miles, and they play really aggressively um, yeah. on ball screens. But yeah, I think it'll be a good matchup. I'm I'm very excited. It's. it's the Clippers have been playing a little bit better recently. They've had two kind of consecutive blowouts. Mm-hmm. Um, they're looking good, and the Pacers are going to be the best team they've played in a couple of weeks. So it'll be fun. I'm I'm real excited. Yeah, I'm excited as well. Like, you look at this team hasn't really been uh, remarkably – I mean, they've been tested actually pretty well. I mean, this Western Conference road trip has been tough. Like, mm-hmm. um, they lost to Phoenix in what was like – my game of the year so far. I don't know if you saw it, but it was a fantastic game. Yeah. Uh, and then they just lost a complete shitstorm game to Sacramento that they should have won. Like they just, <laughs> they could not do anything. I like, I mean, have you seen Sacramento much this year? Yeah. I, I do, love Tyrese Halliburton. He was my yes, favorite guy. Halliburton is so. fun, but like as much as I hate Luke Walton, Alvin Gentry has done like really fun stuff with their offense. They're doing a mm-hmm. ton of small, small screens. Um, and it just obliterated Indiana. They had no idea how to guard it, and it like totally showed in that game. Um, so, but yeah, I'm. And then they they go out and beat Golden State, and Golden State is like actually good now. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's going to be a good litmus test. This is definitely the best team that they played so far. So I'm interested to see how it goes. But um, Rob, before I get you out of here, man, do you have anything to plug? What are you working on, or anything cool going on in life that you want people to know about? Um, nothing cool going on in life. Uh, <laughs> in terms of stuff to plug, just um, the main two one three hoops podcast is the lob the jam the pod. Uh, we're gonna be recording below. Yeah, after that, uh, after the game tomorrow, we're gonna be doing a late night. It's gonna be real late for me on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, I'll probably sound pretty dead. Uh, that's like the main thing that I I do. Outside of that, I mostly just kind of keep the site going and do you know game coverage stuff. Um. I am. I'm probably going to be working on hopefully something about Nick Batum because uh, I really want to write about him and just kind of how insane his season has been. Um, but yeah, just listen to the pod. Uh, check out the site. That's really it. Uh, you guys do great work. So, um, you know, I'm, I tell all Clippers fans to, to head over to you guys and uh, check out what you guys have been doing about the game as well. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. You guys do the same. I always enjoy 2-1-3. Um, and the pod is really good too. So to everyone listening, of course, keep up with them. I put you guys on my uh, on my pod list, so yeah. worth it. Um, the other thing, I mean, I totally agree with you though, man. That's what's been different about this week. So we had this Western Conference road trip, and I was like, as happy as much as I love basketball and love covering it, I was kind of glad the games tonight got canceled because my sleep schedule is awful. I'm going to bed at like two o'clock every morning because I'm staying up to do the post game pod and get it, get it up and like get notes. And it's like, oh man. So I'm I'm definitely ready for a good night of sleep tonight. But I'll be uh, I'll be ready for the game tomorrow. 
Um, sounds good. Yeah, definitely. Well, Rob, this was fun, man. I'll definitely hit you up during the game. I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll cross paths on the timeline. Uh, to everyone listening, of course, go follow Rob on Twitter. He's at Rich Homie Flom. Uh, fantastic screen, na- screen name, by the way. Um, and just thank you for listening. Have a good rest of your day.